Amen. Amen. Last time we talked about uh, Joseph and, and how they had this reconciliation, right, and this restoration, this reunion, really, between Joseph and his brothers, right? And who would have ever thought that that was even possible after what they did to him and to their father as well, right? But they, but they did, and how did it happen? How in the world did it actually take place? It was because of forgiveness. It was because of grace. You know, the brothers, they had to go to Egypt, and, and Joseph was there. They didn't know it was Joseph, but they had to get food to survive, and they went. And, and you see it. What they had done to him was still bothering them. When anything negative happened, they said, oh, it must be what we did to our brother. So Joseph kind of tests them. He recognizes them, you know, immediately. He's testing them to see if there's any kind of change of heart. And there was. But what came out of it all was this restoration and, and this reconciliation. And Joseph said that God sent me ahead of you to save lives. And Joseph was able to forgive because he saw that God's hand was in this whole situation. That's not always easy to do. Uh, I was talking with, with uh, Gary here this morning, you know, about the fact that, you know, the, 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 if you can kind of zoom out and, and see the bigger picture, you can, it's a whole different view. But when you're in the middle of it and you're just thinking about what's happening to you and to me and this, the feelings that you have right then, it's like, it's like Jacob said, you know, everything is against me. But that's not the way God sees it. God sees it a very, very different. He, he, he has a whole different plan. Now today we're going we're gonna to look at <clears throat> Joseph's last days and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was, that he was finishing. Well, we want to start first in Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to turn with me there, Hebrews chapter 11. I should have told you that earlier. And then we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 50. So Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 22, it says this, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, and he gave instructions about his bones. That's interesting. When his end was near, these are the things that he was talking about. You know, it's going to happen to every one of us, right? The end here in this world, this life. And, and how, how, are, how are we going to, what are, what are the things that we're going to talk about at, at the end? You know, all of our regrets, things we didn't do, wish we did do. Are we going to have like faith like we see here in Joseph, like we saw in Jacob? It says by faith, he spoke about the Exodus. Now, what's the Exodus? You all know that's the beginning of, the book of Exodus, where the children of Israel are, are miraculously set free to leave the land of Egypt. But you see, Joseph's talking about this, and by faith he spoke about it. Why? Because he believed God's promises. God had promised that, I was, that, they, that he was going to take them out of Egypt back to the land of promise, the promised land, the land of Canaan, right? He promised that. But Joseph, what, what made Joseph, you know, 
energized him was that he believed what God said and he held on to that promise. He had, you know, his eyes on the future and the hope in what God would do. That's again, that's the, the big picture kind of thing. But a verse that a lot of people quote often, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. That's a promise for you and I as well. God, God isn't He's not trying to hurt us, but he's got plans for us. And it's a a plan with hope and a plan with a future. Jacob, we we studied him some time back. And and Jacob, he also came to the end of his life here in in the book of Hebrews. Look back at verse 21. We studied this, but let's just read it again. He says, by faith, Jacob... Joseph's dad, right? When he was dying, what did he do? It says he blessed each of Joseph's sons and he worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. What did, what did, uh, what did Joseph do? He, he, he worshiped. It said, first of all, he had faith. He trusted in God. Second of all, he blessed. He passed on the blessings to others, to those that he was leaving behind to the next generation. But when you read about it, and as we, as we saw back then, what, what he passed on to them was, was his relationship with God. He said, God has been this to me, and I've, and I've walked with God, and this is what God has done in my life. And that's what he passed along. Now, it, it, you know, for us, what an example that is for you and I to pass that along. And then it says that he worshipped to the very end of his life. That sounds like a pretty good finish to me. What do you think? Joseph, again, he's, he's the same kind of thing. He, you know, he, he, he gave instructions about his bones. And you say, well, that's kind of like, I don't know, that's kind of strange or weird. But there's something behind it, you see. Though Joseph had everything that he wanted, he was very wealthy, he had all the power, he had everything that anybody could ever want. But his heart wasn't there. Where was his heart? His heart was in the promised land. His heart was in the promised land. You know, Jesus talked about that. I put it on the screen for you. Jesus said, for for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And, and And he's talking there about, you know, are we storing up stuff here on earth? Is this what all it's all about? What's important? Joseph's heart was in the promised land, and for you and I to have our hearts not just here, but our hearts in the promised land, the home of heaven that he has prepared for you and for me. We get so caught up, though, don't we, in the stuff. I, I, you know, I've told you I got so much stuff, and I, yesterday I, I, I took some time. I forced myself. I told my wife, I said, I've procrastinated long enough. Any of you ever procrastinate? Procrastinate? No, not you, not you. So I went down there. I start. I just had to attack the piles of stuff. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Joseph, his, 
you know, he, his last days, what do we see? Joseph, you know, when we look at the life of Joseph, again, we see forgiveness. We see grace. We see that he's holding on to these promises. We see that he's looking ahead. He's looking ahead to the future of what God was going to do, the, the exodus for the nation of Israel. But there was this faith that he had. That's why he's in the hall of faith here. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith. By faith. In the end, that's all that really matters, isn't it? All that stuff that you have, all the things that you've accomplished in your life, whatever. In the end, do you have faith in the almighty God? That's what's going to matter in the end. That's all that's going to matter in the end. So, so his last days, you know, let's go back now to Genesis chapter 50. If you'll turn back there with me, it's the last chapter of the book of Genesis. And we're going to just read some of that account, not every verse. And you all said amen to that. Well, actually, you'd like to read every verse, but we don't have enough time here to read every verse, so I'll summarize some of it. But, but look at chapter 49, verse 33, the last verse of chapter 49. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, and he breathed his last, and he was gathered to his people. So Jacob died. You know, Jacob is now, again, in the land of Egypt. Joseph said, gather everybody up. Come on in here to to uh, Egypt, I'm going to take care of you. So he dies there in Egypt, and, and Joseph threw himself upon his father, and he wept over him. Can you imagine? You know, they were separated for so many years, and then they were reunited, and, and, and now, uh, you know, Jacob has died, his father has died, and the sadness that was there, the grief that was there, Verses 2 through 14, it talks about Jacob after he died that, that he was buried in the land of Canaan. Why? Because he made his son's promise, don't bury me here. I want you to take me and bury me back in the land of Canaan. His heart was also in the home, in the land of Canaan. Verse 15, let's jump down to that. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Dad's gone now. He's the only thing that was standing between us and Joseph was our dad. And so, again, the, this conscience you can't seem to stop at this conscience. What, what if, what, what's going to happen now? Is it payback time? Joseph's going to jump on this and, 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 and do things that he was just waiting for dad to do. Sounds like Esau, right? Esau said, you know, as soon as dad dies, as soon as our dad dies, I'm going to kill you, Jacob. He didn't. So what did they do? Look at verse 16. It says, So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. 
This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. Now we don't have any account knowing that, that, that you know, their dad actually said those words. Did they just say that? Or maybe he did say that. We just don't know for sure. I could see both being a possibility. Jacob said, you know what? Make sure you tell Joseph not to do anything to you. But I can also see these brothers saying, you know what? Dad's gone now. Let's, let's just tell Joseph. Let's just tell Joseph, Dad said this. Sometimes we do desperate things, right? Out of fear. But one thing you can certainly see in this is they, they, were, they were sorry for what they'd done. They, they realized how bad it was. They acknowledged their guilt. They, they said, you know, the, the sins they committed, the wrongs, they, they treated him so badly and, and forgive. But didn't Joseph already forgive them? Sure seems that he did. But Joseph wept. Joseph wept. Joseph was a man. That he was a man of God, but he wasn't afraid to weep. In fact, you read about it, Joseph wept a lot. Some of you, you know, some of us, you know, well, I'm not gonna cry, no. My wife says I cry more now than I used to. Maybe when you get older, you don't care so much. Who cares? Verse 18, his brothers then came. After they sent the message to him, it says, Then they came and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said again. The dreams of Joseph are being fulfilled. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's what was motivating them, wasn't it? That's what they were worried about. It was fear. It was Fear uh, that, that something was going to happen, that Joseph was going to do something. And, and yet Joseph had no plan at all to do any of that. So, so often fear is, is irrational, isn't it? We fear these things that could never possibly happen. But they seem so real. Look what he says, though. He says, am I in the place of God? Like, I'm not God, you know. Am I in the place of God? David Guzik said it wasn't, it wasn't his job to bring retribution. It was God's if he so desired. You know, ultimately, you know, Paul said in Romans that, that God says it's his, it's his right to avenge. He says, I will repay, says the Lord, and that you and I, we shouldn't be taking revenge, taking it out and, and trying to Take care of it ourselves. Let God do it. He says, leave room for God's wrath. So often we, we, we try to take it into our own hands. But Joseph knew, like, you know what? I'm not God. Even though he was, like, second in command over Egypt, you know, he had incredible amounts of power. He realized that God was the one with the power. God was the one. And you and I need to recognize that as well. 
Look what he says in verse 20. This is, this is kind of like, I think, sums it all up. He said something like it earlier. But look at verse 20. He says, he says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You know, they're both true, right? They did intend to harm him. That's true. But God intended it for good, and that is also true. But when you think about man's intentions and God's intentions, whose do you think will prevail? We have all these intentions, I'm going to do this, but in the end, God's intentions are going to prevail, not mine, not yours. It's God is the one who is sovereign. David Guzik, again, he said this, that every Christian should be able to see the overarching and overruling hand of God in their life, to know that no matter what evil man brings against us, God can use it for good. And ultimately, our lives are not in the hands of men, but in the hands of God. That's so true. You know, this world, you think about it, the, the evil and, and the things that, you know, people do to each other, it's just like, it's mind-boggling. How can this possibly be? You know, why has there never been a history in the history of the, of the planet when there has not been some kind of war, some kind of aggravation, some kind of evil taking place? Because that's the human sin. But ultimately, our lives are in the hands of God. And God is, has, was even working in the life of Joseph. And again, to take this uh, bird's eye view, to, to stand back and see that God is the one that's in charge. Verse 21. So then, Joseph says, don't be afraid. He says it twice to them. Isn't that sweet? He says, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to him, to them. Now, there's something about this guy. I don't know. I just like this, this guy, Joseph. You know, we saw when, when he was uh, in, the, in the prison and the, the baker and the cupbearer, you know, they were like really upset. But, but he noticed and he spoke to them and he asked them, like, what's going on? Are you okay? And now he sees here his brothers are like, they're all twisted up as well. And, and he, he, he reassures them and, he, and he, he speaks kindly to them. I don't know. There's, there's something about that, you know, something about kind words. They go a long way, don't they? We don't see any more about this, you know, beyond what, what, what we see here. And, and sometimes, you know, we just need to speak some kind words to people. It's not that hard to do. We're ready to jump on people. We're ready to show them where they're wrong and, and, and all kinds of other things. But how about saying something kind to your wife or your husband or your kids or your parents or your co-worker or somebody can you just say something kind well you know how that phrase go if you can't say anything good but I think we need to go beyond that and say something good 
Because you don't know what kind of an effect it will have on people. This guy, Joseph, he said, a, he said some nice things to them. He said, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. It's, God, is, God is bigger than all of us and all of this. Verse 22, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family, and he lived a 110 years, and he saw the third generation of Ephraim's children, his son, Ephraim, and also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. So they stayed in Egypt, you know, and he saw his kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and, 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 and they stayed there in Egypt. He died at 110 years old. He lived about 54 years after Jacob died. Verse 24, then Joseph said to his brothers, and we don't know if they're all still alive here, but it just says his brothers. He says, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and he will take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear on oath and oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. Interesting. Those are the same words. He says, I'm about to die and, he, and God is going to come to your aid and take you up out of this place. Same thing that, that his father Jacob had said when he died. Same exact words. And again, do, do our words, do, do they matter to people? I think he took those words to heart. And now he's repeating them to his very own brothers. But what is it? It was God's promise. The promise that God had given to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That the land is yours. And God said, I'm going I'm to bring you back there. And, and to hold on to those promises of God. Now, how soon did that take place? Anybody know? Was it the next year? Was it 10 years? It was, uh, it was about 350 years. Because they were, again, uh, in the land uh, of Egypt, the Bible says in Exodus 12, like 430 years. And, and so you've got to do all the math, and I won't bog you down with that, but it's like 350 years till the Exodus. They, you know, they had to hold on to those promises, and they had to pass them on to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. Some of, the, some of the promises of God are not going to happen in my lifetime, but I can surely pass them on. And that's what I'm called to do. That's what we're called to do. During that time, though, God was, God was building the nation. And it says in Exodus 1, we're going to start there next time when we talk about Moses, that the nation multiplied greatly. This, this nation of Israel, it multiplied. And that's what God's plan was. So he makes them swear this oath that, he, that they're going to take those bones of his and bury them in the promised land. Verse 26, so Joseph died at the age of 110 
And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Placed in a coffin in Egypt. That's the, that's the way the book of Genesis ends. But is that the end? No, you just turn the page, right? All you got to do is turn the page and see what God sees and how God has told us that that's not the way it ends. For you and for me, do you have that promise that God has promised you eternal life and that he's promised you a place in heaven, that, that he's pre preparing a place for you? And your life's not going to end in a coffin. All you got to do is turn the page and, and he says, come home, be with me forever and ever in paradise. Joseph died and, and, and you know what? This guy Joseph, again, that the fact that he had this life that, that you know, stands out to us, incredible. But you know, the truth of the matter is that, that we've been given all kinds of promises too. We sing a song sometimes about God's promises. You know, are we going to go by our feelings or what we see with our eyes? Or are we going to hold on to what God promises? Now, you can't know what God's promises are, what? Unless you, what? Unless you open the book, which is full of the promises. You know, this is... This is you know, if you're walking around and you don't know anything and what, what God is going to do is because you don't ever open up this book, you know. I talk about it all the time. And why? Because it's so important. I talked about it when I went to Fitchburg a few weeks ago and, and talked about, you know, getting back to Bethel where, where God spoke to uh, Jacob. Go back to that place where, where you have this relationship with God, where you listen for his voice. You've got to know what God's promises are or you're going to get beat. You're going to get beat up by the devil because he, he knows what the promises are. But if you don't, if I don't... So let me just re repeat a few of them for you before we close here. I think number one, John 3.16, right? Most well-known verse in all the Bible and probably in all the world. For God so loved the world. What? You know it. Do you know it? I hope you know it. That's a promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. That's a promise to hold on to. I quoted... Uh, I referred to John chapter 14. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And, and what, what does he say? And if I go to prepare a place for you, what? I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to come back for you. Now, whether that is, you know, the return of Jesus, the rapture, or us dying before that time, we're going to be with him. What about the promise where he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you? I'm going to be with you. You're not alone. What about the promise where it says that he will go before us, ahead of us, prepare the way for us? What about the promise that says that he will fight the battles for us? 
that God is fighting the battles for us? What about the promise that says that he will provide for us? Sometimes we worry, how am I going to pray? How am I going to pay the rent? Pay, pray, pay, way, rent. Let me start over. How am I going to pay the rent? But Jesus says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide. I'm going to take care of you. I've seen it over and over. He also promises to hear our, our prayers. He hears the cries. We see in heaven that, you know, they have like jars that are storing up the prayers of the saints. Not only does he hear our prayers, but he answers them as well. We got a lot. That's, that, that's just a few of the promises that we have. When we get to that last day of our lives, whenever it is, whether we're young, whether we're old, what, what, is our, what, is, what is our life going to be marked by? Is it going to be like Joseph? There's faith, there's trust in the Almighty God, and, and, I, and, and I am looking forward to what God has for me. That's something to emulate, right? Something to follow, an example for you and for me. Joseph. We're going to move on to Moses next time. Moses is a character too, isn't he? <clears throat> That'll be good. Let's pray together though. And, and uh... Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, the book that, uh, that outlines, that shows us the big picture, that shows us the promises, that shows us the, the plans that you have plans to give us a hope and a future that you have, have, have got so much in store for us. Despite what this life might hand out, the, the, the evil intentions and the harm that, that we might face by, by people, even people in our own family. But yet, God, you're bigger than all that. And you have a plan and a purpose for me, for each one of us. I pray you'd encourage your people today, Lord, by your word and, and by the promises, by the, the life that you have given. That eternal life that has started already. It doesn't start when we die. It starts already, but it goes on into eternity. And, and you've given us that. And, and it, it, it's defined as knowing you and knowing your son, Jesus this relationship that we have with the Almighty God and with Jesus, the Son of God. Bless your people, I pray. I again ask that you would help us in this life, Lord, to walk and to follow your path, to trust you even when we don't understand, to acknowledge you in all of our ways, and you will direct our paths. You will open up the way, and you will make it clear and straight and smooth. I pray this morning as well for any maybe that have never, never surrendered their lives to you. Jesus, how much does it take? How much do you need to show them that you love them, that you care for them, and that you died for them? And if that's you, I say this morning to open your heart and life to Jesus. Let him in because 
He loves you. And just say to just say to him, Jesus, I I'm lost and I need you. I need you in my life. I need you. I ask you to come in and take over. Forgive me. I come before you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and sing together, shall we?